Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I was, uh, whenever I went to Texas Tech University right out of high school, um, I, I got the wild hair. Now, now I got to back up to just give you a brief uh, deal. Um, whenever I was uh, a freshman in high school after the football season, um, they discovered that I had a gallstone in my pancreatic duct. And um, basically, I had to have surgery, and they removed half of my pancreas. And after that, my surgeon at the Baylor Medical Center in Dallas would not release me to play football because he said that one hit to that area could uh, basically kill me. It could undo everything that they had done. They had to redo a lot of my plumbing and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it it took me a long time to heal. It it really did. And so whenever I got healed up about the start of my junior year, I was back to my weight and back full of vinegar and everything, but they still wouldn't let me play football. So I rode Bronx. That's that's what I did. And so um, whenever, but I'd never rode like, and I'm just talking about breaking horses and stuff like that. And so whenever I got to Texas Tech, a buddy of mine said, hey, man, you ever done any rodeo? And, I, you know, I mean, I rode some steers and junior bulls and stuff like that whenever I was uh, young. Pulled my girl on every single time, and I thought, that's dumb. So I never did that again. And so he said, man, let's try to get on some bareback horses. I was like, yeah, that's pretty safe. You know, you're just hanging on to a suitcase handle. If things go haywire, you just let go. And so I worked for a horse auction, and the local stock contractor, Charlie Thompson, used to come buy some cheap horses there to try them out as Bronx. And he made a deal with me that if I would get on them first, that I could do it for free. Not his good Bronx, but just his Bronx that had never been on before. And so I was like, yeah, it's a heck of a deal because I didn't have no money. And so anyway, I'd never forget that very first time. It's a big old shoot and it's kind of a little, probably a three-year-old colt or something like that. He wasn't very big and everything. And they put that bareback rigging on and they cinched her down for me and they kind of showed me what to do and everything. And I got down there and that old thing was just a quiver and he was, I don't know who was quivering more, me or him, but I stuck my old hand in there and everything. And about the time I kind of put all my weight down on him, he kind of reared up. Well, I got spooked and I let go but I fell in the chute. Well, it spooked him even more. And, and he goes to wailing on me, whack, whack. But I mean, he's just right there. So it's not really hurting me that much. But there's a lot of yelling going on because my buddies are like, get out of there. And I'm like, open the gate, get out of there, open the gate. And so whenever they opened the gate, then he got me real good. So that was my first experience on a bareback horse. And they didn't get much better after that. So you can imagine the feeling inside of me this August, when Trevor and Melissa headed up the bucking horse futurity, and they had a pony bronc riding. And Griffin, my son, says, hey, Dad, I want to enter that. I'm like, you sure? He goes, heck yeah. Now, Griffin, I mean, he, that boy ain't scared to do nothing. I mean, he, he's kind of a daredevil. He scares the crud out of me most of the time, but I try not to let it show too much. But I was, all I could think about at first was, yeah, Griffin's going to be a bronc rider. Yeah. Oh, crap. What if something goes wrong and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. He, well, he wants to enter 
both. He wants to enter the bareback pony bronc riding and the saddle bronc riding. And so, boy, I'm a coaching him, and I'm like, son, I don't care if they're little bitty men. These things are even a pony is, you know, a hundred times stronger than you are. You know, just because they're little don't mean that they're not going to fire out of there, man. You got, especially on that bareback horse, you got to bear down. You got to pull tight, and it's not just holding on with your grip. You got to pull yourself down on that suitcase handle and hold on. And I mean, I'm a coaching him, and he's like, I know, Dad, I know, I know, because when you're that age, you do know. You know everything. And so he's like, I know, but he, he's being good, and you can tell he's a little nervous, but he handles it a lot better than I did at his age. And so he gets down there on that bareback horse, and he's sitting there, and he slides up, and he goes, okay, boys, let's go. And that bareback horse comes out and leaves, and Griffin stays right there. Boom. And he hits on his butt. He turned around. He goes, you weren't joking. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you. And so he basically just climbs back up out of the chute. And I said, it's different, ain't it? He said, man, he said, it was a lot different. He said, but I'm going to get better on this deal. He said, I got a saddle this time. We're going to do ranch saddle bronc. He said, dad, I'm going to bear down and I'm going to get it. So I said, okay. So anytime his horse gets up there and it's the next to biggest horse in the whole deal. The horse's name is Big Kenny. And so anyway, Griffin gets down there. He's got an old night latch and he's, he's, he's wearing my spurs. He's wearing my hat and, and he's, he's riding my bronc saddle. He's got my night latch. I mean, my old heart's just this big, right? And all of a sudden this fellow walks up and he's like, you need me to give y'all a hand? I was like, sure. Well, I didn't tell Griffin that that was Tom Reeves. 2001 NFR Saddle Bronc World Champion that made the NFR 18 times in a row. And this is the guy that's helping Griffin. And Griffin just thinks it's some cowboy and everything. And I mean, I'm like, man, you know, it's an NFR World Champion right here. There's another one over here. You know, Clint Corey's right over here. And I mean, this is a, this is a cool deal. I'm, I'm, my heart is about this big and everything. And I'll never forget Griffin gets bared down and everything. And Tom, if you if you know Tom, he he's kind of soft spoken, and he's like, now, "Cowboy, you just slide down there. You get your own stirrups." And he said, "You're all tightened up, cowboy." And he said, "As soon as you get ready to ride, you just slide up there. You nod your head and you just ride this mother." <laughs> And he let it loose. <laughs> I mean, he really did. And I grinned. <laughs> Griffin kind of laughed. And he goes, let's go, boys. And Griffin came out. And I mean, that horse was pitching now. I mean, he really was. Griffin stayed on, scored an 80-point bronc ride, and won the whole deal. But I've got a question for you. Which of those two, if you really think about it, which of those two made me more proud? Here's the answer. Neither one. There is nothing that boy can do or not do that will ever make me more proud of who he is. There is nothing that he can do or not do that is going to make me love him any more than I already do. My love for him is not based on what he does. My love for him is not based upon what he does not do. My love for him is not based on what he accomplishes. My love for him is not based upon an 80-point bronc rider wearing my hat or falling off in the chute or, or riding motorcycles or, or skateboards. There is nothing that that boy can do that will make me love him any more than I did the first time I saw that little one-year-old little boy. Nothing at all. In Galatians chapter 4, in verse 4 through 7, 
the Bible says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now, you know, I mean, if you're just sitting there listening, I said a lot of words, and it, it kind of sounds like it come out of the Bible because it did and everything. But, but let, me, let me tell you a summary of what those verses mean. There's, there's a word, and it's called grace. A lot of people, uh, you know, if you've been around Christianity for a long time, if you're kind of a, 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 an old hand at this, you know, you've been to church quite a bit in your life and everything, you've probably heard the word grace. And a good definition of grace for, for people that, that have been around this for a long time is unmerited favor. Okay, unmerited favor. That's probably something along the lines that, that you've always been told, that grace is unmerited favor. Now, now you may be new to Christianity. I'm not saying that you're young or you're old or you're middle-aged or you're 22 like me or anything like that. I'm just saying that you might be new to reading your Bible and stuff like that, and, and you may think that grace is... Uh, is like something that you say before you eat, okay? That, that's a different type deal. But, you know, if you're kind of new to this, a different definition of grace is this, getting something for nothing, okay? That, that's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. It's getting something for nothing. And, and you know what? We might have some people here, that, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything because I've been where you are. You, you might be like totally new to this Christianity thing, and you may be thinking, you know what? I've heard some preachers, but I'm just not sure about this. You know, I mean... I don't know if I want to act like some of these other people that, that are so-called Christians. I don't even know if I want to be associated like that or anything like, you know, let me try to put it in one more term that I know will stick with most of you is, is it's not just unmerited favor. Grace is not just getting something for nothing. Another definition of grace might be it's all about that grace, about that grace, about that grace. No trouble. Now, see, you're going to go around. If y'all have heard that song, you're going to go around singing that. Only Jasmine and Ty have heard it, obviously. That was funny. I worked on that all night long. That's a song, if you don't, if you don't know. But that's what we're going to start talking about. That's what we should be talking about every single Sunday is the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's go through these verses real quick. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption and sonship. Now, I'm going to read this part one more time, and I want you to listen for your part that you have to do in these two verses. Listen to this. Find what you have to do. 
When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. And if you don't know what redeem means in the biblical sense here, it's not like redeeming a coupon. Redeeming in the biblical sense, in the Greek, all of that stuff, it means to to pay a ransom. Okay, that's exactly what it means. Um, Born of a woman, born under the law, to pay a ransom for those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Did you catch what our part in that was? It was receive. That's it. That's all. And I wonder why Christianity has become so hard. Isn't it sad? And and I'm not criticizing these other preachers. I think that they have a a great, uh, they have a great love for the Lord. But that does not mean that I don't think that they're not mistaken and that I haven't been mistaken in the past. Did you know that there is nothing you can do besides receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that is going to make Jesus or make God love you or be more proud of you than he already is at that moment. Because see, under the law, because it's important when it says born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Now, if you haven't been around this stuff very long, let me go back just real quick that God set forth a law to his people, the Israelites, because they were thinking that they were just better than butter because of they were Abraham's sons. And, and so God said, you know what? Hang on just a second. I might have chosen y'all to be my people, but that don't make you perfect because if you want to be perfect, this is what you must do. And he lays out all of this stuff. And did you know how many of them were able to abide by the law? Zero. Not a single person born of man and woman that ever walked this earth could ever do what the law said. Why? Because the law meant perfect holiness. That's what the law meant. You had, if you wanted to be holy in and of yourself, you had to keep that law every single day, every single minute. There was hundreds and hundreds of these things. And I mean, it it was impossible. So God, what he did is he's like, man, I know y'all are having a hard time doing this. So we're going to have a sacrifice system because the wages of sin is death. And so he said, if you mess up, all you have to do is bring a goat or something that's going to take your place. We're going to kill it. And its blood is going to be shed so that it forgives your sins. But no amount of blood from an animal could take away sins forever. It may take up those up until that point, but I guarantee you this is probably what happened. They take a big old goat in there to sacrifice for their sins. The goat is sacrificed and... His sins are forgiven, and then he turns around and sees another goat and said, Man, I wish I had that goat. Ah, I just coveted. I just sinned again. You see what I mean? It, it didn't matter. I mean, they, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. But see, it takes, there's only one that's perfect, and that's God, who sent his son to fulfill the law and sacrifice himself to redeem us all, to pay the ransom, to die for us so that we don't have to. And it is very, very sad. It is very sad that I have been guilty, not necessarily on purpose, but but trying to preach grace and bring a little bit of the law back. Like, well, you know, to receive Jesus Christ, all you do is ask him into your heart, and then you've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. That is not true. 
That is absolutely not true. Why? Because Galatians 4, 4, and 5 says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. That's it. You have become adopted by God. Now, that may not mean much to us in this day and age, but, but let me explain something to you. In that time, if you had a baby and you didn't want that baby, you could do just like you can do today, heaven forbid, and you can just give that baby up. But did you know that if you adopted a child back then, that you could not give it up no matter what? No ifs, no ands, no buts. The adopted son had more security than a natural born son. And that's, isn't that an awesome illustration right there that to redeem, to pay the ransom for those under the law, to do something for us that we could not do for ourselves, that we might receive adoption to sonship. We can't do anything of our own except receive it. To thank God for the gift that he gave us. But too often, man, we, we get that in our heads and we're like, yeah, I believe that. And the second we do it, then we go right back to the law trying to keep, well, if you're a good Christian, you don't do this and you don't do that. You don't do this and I can't got to stay away from that. Has nothing to do with it. Just like Griffin can't do anything good or bad to make me love him any less. He is my son till the forever. There's nothing you can't do besides receive the gift that God is trying to give. And it is sad that many of us have been convinced that, that there's more to it than that. Because if I, if I gave, <laughs> there, I, I got a really nice uh, gift this morning. Actually, me and Ty both got a gift this morning. Uh, Sonny Oker walks up, hands me this book, and it says the Cowboys of Montana. It's a big old picture book. <laughs> and Ty got one, too. It says Cowboys of Texas. <laughs> so anyway, that was, that was pretty cool. But, you know, how, how, how bad would it have been if, if Sonny would have given me that gift and then I would have been like, oh, oh, well, uh, here, I got this for you, too. <laughs> Doesn't it just cheapen it? It absolutely does. She gave that out of the love that she had, and it was her desire to give. And it would have done nothing except cheapen it if I would have tried to pay it back somehow with anything other than thanksgiving and receiving it gladly. We did nothing to receive sonship. It's, it's by the grace of God that we get all of this, people. If you, don't, if you never hear another sermon in your entire life, please remember what I'm fixing to say, that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Now, I know that a lot of y'all that's been around a long time, I know that you're pulling out what James said, that show me a faith without works and I'll show you a dead faith. And we'll talk about that later, but that doesn't have anything to do with being saved, but by becoming a son of God. It is by grace that we are saved, that we are sons, that we, are, that we might receive adoption to sonship. In, in, in verse 6, he goes on, he says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Now, Abba, A-B-B-A, it's not the band that you're thinking of. In this instance, it means this. It means daddy. 
that our heart cries out, Daddy. Now, y'all that went to basic have already heard this story, the deal that we just finished up, but I'm going to tell it again. About three weeks ago, actually, it'll probably be a month ago tomorrow, I was laying in bed, fixing to go to sleep. I'm always reading before, and I'm reading this book, and it says that God wants to be our Abba, our Daddy. And I kind of thought, I read that, and I was like, well, okay, I, I've heard that before. I mean, I've read it in the Bible, and I, I know that it means daddy and everything like that. And that kind of got a wheel moving just a little bit, because my wheels are, are, are squeaky and, and rusted up sometimes. And then he said this. He said, if you want to see what you, God wants your relationship with himself to be like. In other words, what God wants more than anything on this earth, what he wants your relationship to be with him like is this. Imagine if you went to the park and you parked out by the road and was just observing and you see these toddlers or you know young kids and they're playing in the sandbox. They got their little deals. They're making sandcastles and mom's sitting over there watching. She's visiting with some other people or whatever. And all of a sudden, dad gets there and he pulls up and kiddo don't know he's coming. And he gets out. He's off work early. He shuts the door. And he starts walking over there towards that sandbox. If you watch what happens, for some reason, that child's eyes will come up and be drawn to him. And what happens then is what God wants your relationship to be like. Because what happens then is it doesn't matter how many friends are there. It doesn't matter how cool the toys are. You know exactly what happens. They drop them. They jump up. And what do they yell? Daddy. And what do they do? They take off running. And right before they get there, what do they do? And what happens? Dad catches them, doesn't he? That is what God wants your relationship with him to be like. That's it. That is all, people. I mean, it, it just blows my mind that we, have, that we have been convinced that it's otherwise. You are his son. You are absolutely his son. You are his daughter. He wants our relationship to be with him as if it was a son and a daddy. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm reading this. And I mean, I'm kind of like a, uh-oh. I've been a preacher for a long time, but I can tell you this, that my relationship with God was not like that. And so I got to thinking and I sat there and I said, why isn't my relationship? I put the book down and I'm, I'm literally laying in bed with my hands like this. And I'm like, why is my relationship with God not like that? And then I knew, and he's probably watching or he probably will watch this. And this has nothing, I, this is, there's no criticism in what I'm about to say. But the reason that I couldn't see God as my daddy is because of the things that my dad did. That's not a criticism. It's not. It's just life. My dad is not perfect. I told you a couple of weeks ago about how much I love that man, and I still do to this day. I have nothing better on this earth than him. I've got a lot of things that are equal, but I have nothing better than him. But you see, between my seventh and eighth grade year, about the age Griffin is now, he left. He left me. And that hurt. I don't blame him. I've forgiven him, everything like that. But it, it was like there was something more important out there than me. And so, unfortunately, I had kind of placed what he did onto God. And I didn't view God as my daddy because I was scared that if I trusted God as my daddy, that there might be somebody more important, that, that he may leave me. 
And, and I know that that may sound silly to y'all, but it was heartbreaking to me. And all of a sudden, in my heart, I hear God say, come to me. I just want to be your daddy. I want to be your Abba. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do it. I mean, I had my guard up big time. And guys, this is only a month ago. This is only one month ago. And I I just, I pictured him sitting in in, in kind of a, just an old chair. And he's like, come here. I'm like, no. And all of a sudden, man, I got a big old lump in my throat. And he kept saying, come on, come here. No, no. I just, you, you just be God and I'll just be best friends with Jesus because I know he died for me and I know he said he'll never leave me or, nor forsake you. But, you know, I'm just, I'm scared that you will, you'll pick somebody better, that, that you'll run off. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's like, come on. And all of a sudden, man, the tears started rolling. Snot started. I mean, it, it was one of those, it was one of those tough times. And if you ain't ever had one of those tough times with God, get ready. Because it'll come eventually. If you keep following him, it'll come. And I went and I crawled right up in his lap. And I bawled my eyes out just like I was a little kid. And I told him, I said, I said, Daddy, I'm scared. Y'all think that I know what I'm doing? I've never been the pastor of a big church, international church. Most of the time, I have no idea what I'm doing. And yet everybody looks to me for answers. And, and not all of you, but some of you put me up on a pedestal that I dang sure don't deserve. And I told him, I said, Dad, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm doing. We're, we're trying to do this deal for you and buy this, buy this land that you already own, which is a crock. I mean, you already own it. I don't know why we have to buy it, but, you know, whatever. And we're trying to do all of this stuff for you, and people are depending on me, and my family's depending on me. And, and I honestly, I don't feel enough, I don't feel any different than a little old kid trying to be a grown up in a big old world. And he's like, "Just let it out. What else?" And I and I told him some other real personal stuff. And you know what? He, you think that he just like wagged his finger and got on to me? Uh. Uh-uh. You know what he did? He hugged me tight. And you know what he did? He held me tight, and he said, "I love you, kid." I love you. And I said, well, what's the deal here? And, and, and it has changed in the month that this has gone on. I no longer refer to him in prayer as God. I refer to him as Daddy. I am redefining his grace, is redefining my relationship with God through his son because his son's sacrifice on the cross allowed us to come and sit on God's lap and call him daddy, and he calls us son. And it is a travesty. It is absolutely horrible that there are people that used to be like me that are standing out here all by themselves, afraid to come into God's presence, afraid to to reap the benefits of his love because we won't come to him, because we're afraid, because the devil whispers in our ear, he's going to leave you just like that other guy did. No, he's not. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out, Abba, Daddy. Guys, you might have been in church your whole lives and you might have never heard this. Do not leave here today without knowing the truth. Through Jesus' sacrifice, he paid the ransom for our sins. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And it allowed us, we can boldly come to the throne of grace. We can climb up in God's lap and we can have a personal relationship with God. You want to know how I know that you're supposed to do that? 
Jesus one time while he was still on this earth. God's son was sitting down one time, and children were drawn to him. And all these kiddos come running up, and he's blessing these kids, and he's talking to them, and I'm sure he's, he's playing with them and everything, because, you know, I don't think he was like, you know, some statue, like, come up and touch me, you know. I mean, he was a cool dude, you know. People were drawn to him. And so there were so many kids running around that the disciples start coming in, get out of here, watch out, watch out, watch out. And he's like, whoa, whoa. He said, do not push them away. And then he looks at the grown-ups, and he says, unless you become like little children, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. Try that on for size. Until you come to the point in your life that you can receive his gift as Griffin would receive. You know, I'll never forget. I mean, this is going to sound silly to y'all. I will never forget this in all of my life. About, it was last summer, um, we went and had to redo our, our cell phone plan. And unbeknownst to Griffin, he was fixing to start playing football, going to be out of town, you know, and stuff like that. So I went ahead and got him a cell phone because they were like 99 cents. And I'll never forget that he come walking in there after school, and I was like, Griffin, come here. And he's like, yes, sir. And I said, I got something for you. He goes, what? What? And I pulled out that iPhone, and his eyes got about that big around, and he said, that's all he said was a hug. And I saw it in his eyes. He received that gift with gratitude, and he knew that I loved him more than anything. And there was no words that need to be said. See, that's what God wants your relationship to be like. He has given you a gift that's greater than any iPhone, and yet we stand back like, I'm not going to take it. We got to, unless you become like little children. Run, jump into his arms, crawl up in his lap, tell him what you're afraid of. Tell him what your cares are. First Peter says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And in verse 7, so you are no longer a slave but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Wow, and it just keeps getting better and better. It says, you are no longer a slave. You know what I hear a lot of times? I hear people say this. You know what, preacher? Can you just pray that I can obey God and just do his will? That I, I know that God's got a plan for me and I just want to do his will. Let me ask you a question, especially you parents. If you were to make a list of top 10 things, the top 10 reasons why you love your children, or if you don't have any kids, what, you know, a, a person that you love the most, if you were to make a list of the reasons that you love them, where would obedience be on that list? I venture to say it would be near the bottom and might not be on there at all. I my love for my kids is not dependent upon their obedience. But too often we have this picture of God that, you know, if Griffin walked in and he goes, Dad, what would thine have me do? I'd be like, what's the matter with you? You've been smoking something, kid? No, just what would you have me do? Well, you got any homework? Yes, sir. Then do your homework. Yes, sir. And he walks over there and does his homework. Then he comes back. What would you have me do now? I don't care what he does. I don't care what he grows up to be. I mean, I don't care. I want him to be happy. I want him to do what pleases him. Now, granted, obedience, there's a part in his raising. But the reason I want him to obey me is I have taught him that it's not good to be blindfolded and run out into the interstate. 
And I would hope that he would obey me in that. And God wants you to obey him because the things that he tells you to stay away from are things that get you hurt. God is not a taskmaster. He, he, he doesn't want a robot that walks up and, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? He doesn't want that. I'm sure he probably asked the same question. He would ask the same question if he didn't already know if you were smoking something. We gotta, we gotta just let all that taskmaster stuff go. Why? Because it says right there, you are no longer a slave. See, the law was all about what you did. You had to obey. Your eternal life depended on how well you obeyed. We are no longer under the law. Jesus died to redeem us, to pay the ransom, so that we are now sons of God. And verse 7 right there in Galatians chapter 4 says, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Man! If this doesn't just get you lifted up, man, something's wrong. Come talk to me. Let's pray about it. Let's figure out the block because this is the truth. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. You are an heir of God. Think about that. Do you know how much power? I mean, you know, if my dad's got a little 12-foot flatbed trailer. If I want to use his trailer, I don't, I don't. I mean, I ask him if I can use it, but I already know the answer. And see, a lot of us are praying for stuff instead of from stuff. We're praying for God to do something for us, but God has already done it all for us. He said, you're an heir of mine. We'll talk next week about the prodigal son, about how the prodigal son came back and the dad wrapped his arms around him and said, my son is back. Put a ring on his finger, cloak and some sandals and butcher the fatted calf. What did he do to deserve that? Nothing. But the other brother that had been there was like, hey, I've been here a long time. I did exactly what you told me to do. Blah, blah, blah. You didn't give me any of that. Father said, it's always been yours. You could have had it anytime you wanted. And this is good stuff, people. And I'll leave you with this. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. You know, the Bible also says that if you who are evil, meaning there's nothing good about us. The only thing good about us is our receiving the gift of grace. If you who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Man, that's good stuff right there. That is good stuff. I want you to leave here with a radically different picture of who God is in your life. Crawl up into his lap knowing that he will answer your prayers because of his grace and his goodness. You don't have to be better. As a matter of fact, when you know that there is nothing that you can do or not do to make God love you anymore, it frees you up to be even better. It works. Crawl up in his lap. I dare you, when we start praying, when you go home and you start praying, I dare you to try to start praying to your daddy and see what doesn't happen on the inside of you. For some of you, like me, it may break you, and that's okay. That is absolutely okay. Some of you might already be there, and if you are already there, man, help somebody else along. Let them know the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's go to Daddy in prayer. Dad, I'm just, I'm humbled at your love for all of us, and we graciously accept the gift that you gave in your Son who did for us what we couldn't do, that he lived that perfect life and died 
as a ransom for us so that we, in our belief in him, might become perfected, not by anything that we do or don't do, but by his sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice that washes away our sins. Dad, I'm just honored, and we just love you so much that you let us crawl up in your lap and love you. And we do revere your name and we do worship you. But we also know that we can just come to you with everything, with every scrape and scrap and every request and every problem that you'll just wrap us in your arms, pat us on the head and say, I know, son, I know my daughter. God, thank you for allowing us this tremendous opportunity to become heirs with Jesus and become a son of God. We have no other words that will work other than thank you. Amen.